Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Catributor podcast. And today's guest, Chingles, probably needs no introduction, but you want to introduce yourself regardless. Uh, yeah, howdy folks. Um, I've been meaning to do this for some time, but other stuff always somehow managed to end up getting in the way. Uh, obviously YouTube, I have a Twitch channel, but I never use it. Um, <laughs> tried streaming once, didn't like it much, never done it since. Uh, currently taking a week off. Um, the first time off I've had since Christmas, so seven months between holidays. Pick the right week for it. It is sweltering out there. Um, hopefully the air conditioner. I won't be making too much noise. I'm running NVIDIA broadcast, so AI noise reduction. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. Yeah, it all sounds good. Yeah, I, I don't hear any air conditioner, so. So, yeah, our first topic is uh, the return of the Missouri, uh, something that Wargaming just uh, recently announced and <laughs> has been met with a lot of face palms and chucklings, I think. But to be fair, also, I think a lot of people are genuinely pleased to see it yeah. back just because it's the Missouri as in a ship that actually still exists. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, I believe Jedi has a, a tale to tell about why the Missouri was originally removed uh, for sale oh. from free XP. Yeah, there was this question I asked uh, going back two years. I'd honestly forgotten, but Painzor reminded me in the in the CC chat, and I asked Sub Octavian because he was still doing more direct community engagement back at that point. Uh, why don't you just nerf the credit income and put it back in the game? And I think my my specific suggestion was have the super duper credit printing ability tied to a camo that existing owners get to keep and then new owners have well, kind of reduced income. What they are instead doing is giving it a perma mission that will boost the, the credits, which has caused a little bit of confusion about it. But his his answer at the time was it's it's not about the credits, it's about the battle influence that it has. And, and it was actually about the credits yes, all along. Pretty much. But <laughs> I, I think I've been thinking about this, and maybe it's a confluence of both factors. The fact that people were taking it into battle so often for the credits that then there were more radars in play than they they liked at the and, time. And wargaming care about there being a lot of radars in play yeah. now, do they? <laughs> this is, this, when did this start happening? I, I was I thinking about that myself. It's not about the profit, it's about the battle influence. I don't remember. I mean, because that's why they took the Jean Bart mm. away from the and Arnold, the wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And the Masashi. Uh, because tier nine and ten battles was just Jean Bart's and Masashi's. That was definitely a thing. So, but that's not battle influence. That's not when war, when somebody from Wargaming says battle influence, they're not talking about how many ships are in the matchmaker. Because does anybody seriously remember seeing entire, you know, Missouri lineups on both teams? That was never a thing. When Wargaming say battle influence, they're talking about the influence that the ship has on the outcome of the battle. Um, I don't know if you recall uh, the presentation they gave at one of the community contributor summits where they were showing battle influence. That was the specific term that they mm -hmm. used. Battle influence of certain ship types and classes and so on and so on, with obviously carriers having the biggest battle influence. So obviously they needed a bunch of buffs. Um did the Missouri ever have battle influence? 
I don't, I don't recall anybody ever complaining about all the Missouris on the enemy team, and it was impossible to fight against them because they were just different Iowas with the radar. Mm. So it's not I... about the profits. It's about the battle influence. I'm calling bullshit on that one. Mm. It's I mean, quite it clearly does, about the profits. It does definitely make that statement look a lot more dubious in retrospect. Mm. I mean, uh, Raider it, does have an influence, and it, I guess it depends what you compare it to. Like, a Missouri definitely had more influence on the outcome than an Iowa. And it was, it was basically like just a premium Iowa, a better Iowa for a premium, right? But it was like a battleship with worse, a Raider. Is it worse heal? It's something like that. It's, it's not quite as good uh, in some yeah. ways. But, it, yeah, it has a, its heal isn't quite as good. I think it's got slightly better nose armor. I can't remember, but. That's the thing. It was never such an issue that mm. people were going out and looking at the stats of the Missouri and trying to figure out how to beat it. It's a Missouri. You shoot at it and you beat it. It wasn't It wasn't about how good a ship it was. It was about how much money it made. Obviously. Yes. Regardless yeah. of what, you know, people try to insist was the reason. It's about its battle influence, not the profit. Well, then why are you reintroducing it without the profit? They, doesn't make a lot of sense. Somebody's I mean, telling lies. The, also, the sad part is that they're bringing her back for the balloons, right? They're not bringing her for a free uh, currency, yeah. like free experience or coal. They don't bring her back for something you can earn. They are like, hey, why don't you just give us cash? And we so even take away the thing in more than one way. <laughs> I, I did wonder how much of this is like the Type 59 factor, and they've waited long enough, and they're like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's put that on sale. It's, it's yeah, got absolutely. kind of a reputation. Yeah, it's got this... Uh, it, it, well, it achieved legendary status because it was the first free XP ship, wasn't it? It's the first one that you could get with no, free N XP. Nelson was the first, but that was... Nelson? I think that was the really? first tin. No, no. Yeah, Nelson. No. I'm pretty sure Was Nelson it? Was. I'm sure Nelson was the first. Because I'm I sure have... I got the Nelson after I got the Missouri. I have no idea. Could be wrong. Easy enough to find out, but yeah, that's for a different time. Uh, but was, yeah, it was the it, first tier nine, definitely. Yeah, and it just it made insane credits, and still doesn't make insane credits compared yeah. to everything else. But that was the reason why people wanted it because you could you could take it out and make a million credits even if you didn't do very well. And that, of course, is that that was what gave it its legendary status. I think I think you might have something there. It's got the the, the aura of the Type 59 about it, mm. even though the Type 59 was never a great tank. It certainly wasn't a bad tank. Um, what made the Type 59 in World of Tanks the terror that it was was because it had limited matchmaking, so it could only get... A, could it even get into a Tier 9 game? I think it can. I think it was plus one. It was plus one. Well, yeah, because that was preferential one. matchmaking. Um, and everybody had them. And so... It would be five Type 59s on one team, five Type 59s on the other team, and God help anybody who got in the way because they all drove around in wolf packs. All Type 59 drivers just stepped together. I didn't care what tank you were in or how bad the Type 59's gun was. With five of them circling you at close range, you're dead. Um, and the myth of the Type 59 grew when it wasn't actually that good a tank. Um, and I think you've seen this. I think you're right. I think you've seen the same thing with the Missouri. It's certainly not a bad ship. Type 59 wasn't a bad tank, but it's not a great ship. And the only thing that was great about it was its ability to print money. That's why everyone called it the Trump wagon. Uh, uh, and yeah, sure, it's being made available. You can buy it for real money, um, but it's not gonna it's not gonna print money. It's it's not gonna be I mean, it'll have the same credit coefficient as any other premium ship, but it won't have the Missouri credit coefficient. That's what made the ship special. 
Yeah, I wonder how many people will be fooled by that because I see so many videos on YouTube and so many people talk about just how insane credits. And I mean, it's probably going to be in some fine print. I mean, it's in the announcement, but when they sell the Missouri, how big will the, the message be that the credit income has yeah, changed, how, I wonder? How upfront about it will they be? How, how, like, how bold will the type be, as it were? The information will be in there if you read the whole announcement. Um, I'm not going to say nobody's going to fall for it, but I'll bet you some people will. Hmm. Um, but but they won't try to hide the fact that it's not going to earn credits. They'll, but, the, you know, the information will be there, and I certainly feel that it's our responsibility as community contributors to make sure that everybody is aware that it's not going to print credits like the old Missouri. But I'm sure that there will be people out there who don't care. You just want it because it's the Missouri. And they'll get exactly what they want in that in that case. You know, it's not a bad ship. It's a battleship with radar. I think it's still – because they were talking about putting – weird radar on Russian battleships when they were in the testing phase. Do you remember that? That radar that would only oh, yeah. detect other battleships. Yeah. Yeah, nothing ever came of that, thank God. <laughs> it, it was um, basically the the, uh, the, the the cyclone consumable. It was overpowered in a cyclone and useless elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but I think, pretty sure to this day, the Missouri is still the only battleship in the game that has radar. Well, so it'll well, still have that. that. Borodino is coming out quite soon uh that's going to have Wait, a, isn't there like well, the the tier 8 that was recently released right how how was it called They're like a tier 8 battleship rather squishy uh, with torpedoes that is and the Borodino. it's not out yet but it will be very very shortly no, but no, yeah, con that... constellation something oh constellation does constellation have radar they released like a very squishy tier 8 battleship with torpedoes yeah, and that's, radar. That's the constellation. I don't know if it has radar. I can find out. Let me, yeah, I'm just uh, scrolling along all my many battleships as well. I feel like I should know this. Oh, it's gotten to the point where it's it's hard to, like, what you oh. know, once upon a time it was like, oh, yeah, I can, yeah, okay, constellation does have radar as well. All right, okay. 10 kilometer radar. I, I remember it this. Is, it used to be easy. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be easy. Now, these days, I don't even know what ship's currently testing. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave up. I gave up trying to keep track of all the test ships. I mean, they, they, plus, you play them, they change them. They're not what you played anymore, and you're not allowed to talk about what you played or give your opinion on what you played until they're released anyway. So I just yeah. get that. Yeah, fine. Whatever. I'll wait until they're released. And then I won't play them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's oh. there are so many new premiums, and I only in, I'm only interested in a few because uh, I'm not interested in every like playstyle or in every ship type and so yeah. on, right? And I lost track of so many ships that I'm sometimes I'm really surprised when people are like, "Hey, why aren't you playing this ship?" And I'm like, "Hey, this thing does exist. Yet yeah, it's something I might yeah. be interested Wait. in." Oh yeah, I have that. Oh, I'd forgotten <laughs> that happens to me. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I must have 400 ships now, and I still don't have them all. Uh, it's I don't have any of the Dutch cruisers, and I'm not interested in any of the Dutch cruisers because they're all pretty yeah. bad. Uh, well, I don't know. The tier four is pretty, pretty spicy, but I think I think before you get to the point where, like, yeah, tier four and tier five are okay, and then tier six up above uh, and above where they've bounced them against having that airstrike, they're not quite not that great. Mm. I honestly this, don't I... feel like they are so bad. Well, they're certainly not so good. I mean, that's tier nine. Which one is it? The, the Johan de Witt. Yeah. Yes. My God, that thing's anemic. But, oh, the, I mean, the, the, 
this is the thing, because remember there was that, I can't remember what ship it was, but there was some cruiser parked behind an island, and then I think three golden lions expended all of their airstrikes on us at the same time, and it just it just disappeared. It, it was obliterated, and, and that was like, everybody was like, oh, my God, this airstrikes are overpowered. As soon as that clip started going around. Yeah. And the reality, of course, is very, very different. Uh, highly situational. They'll do. It's a bit like the Issei. The airstrikes from the Issei, um, they'll do some damage, but they're not going to be your major source of damage. Hmm. Um, but, of course, everybody saw that one clip, and the internet lost its mind. It was like, no, Wargaming had done it again, when really they hadn't. And I think they've overdone it. Um, I think they've what? overestimated how useful those airstrikes were going to be and have over-nerfed everything else about the ship. Honestly, um, I feel like most people just use the airstrike strong because the airstrike is, I mean, you can't do damage. I mean, I've hit the shop out for 10k with one airstriker. So that, that happens rarely and there are some squishy ships who get good hits. But mostly it's about fires. You're almost guaranteed to get a fire with an airstrike. So you airstrike something, you have a fire. You don't stack both. You wait until the damage can, you airstrike them again. And basically I get Pretty consistent damage of airstrikes because they're guaranteed fire starters. And if the damage comes first, then they're going to be on fire again. It takes almost a miracle to not burn with those things. Okay. Well, yeah. The, the, the you know, the player base adapts. They find a way. Um, everybody was saying that the airstrikes were ridiculously overpowered. Uh, they're clearly not. They're highly situational, but there is, as you've discovered, a way to get, you know, the most bang for buck out of them. Um, I mean, the, the problem is the 12-kilometer range, basically, because obviously as a cruiser, you don't necessarily want to be that far on the front line. So you've got to find a position where you can use them and, uh, you know, not not just die. Are a, a lot more useful on some maps than others. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Right. I think it's good that they don't provide any spotting as well. Oh, yeah. That would have been oh, abused. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's exactly what the player base asked for, right? They they wanted more planes and they wanted to be set on fire more often. Yeah, Those are of right, the, the major things that the people wanted and Wargaming managed oh, to put oh. them into one thing, right? More radar Welcome. battleships, obviously. As well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Game needs. yeah. We need more radar, we need more aircraft, because we are, after all, playing World of Warplanes 3.0, aren't we? <laughs> and here comes the Kearsarge. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. So ugly. You'll need a very big paper bag for that one. Oh, speaking of uh, expectation versus reality, you've all seen the, um, was it the Nakamov skip bombers on the Grozovoy? You've seen I, that I, clip? Oh, yeah. I yeah, haven't yeah. seen the clip, but I, I've been playing it, so I have to be careful what I say. Uh, you're not allowed to have an opinion. It isn't out yet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think we may again be seeing um, an example of everybody losing their minds over the Dutch cruiser airstrike thing. I certainly hope that what we're seeing is an example of everybody losing their minds over the Dutch cruiser airstrike thing, because that clip was brutal. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a downside of their, their current policy, is we can't give context to stuff like no, that. You just get these no. replays from other from people who aren't us. Yeah, of other <laughs> people who are not allowed to record or show in action, and they're fine to show that off, but there's none of the context. No. No, exactly. You know, you're looking at something in isolation. If you're cherry picking, because I mean, I, I, I dare say that you could quite easily show an example of a Russian carrier skip bomber doing missing completely and doing zero damage. But that's you know that doesn't get but that doesn't get clicks, does it? Mm -hmm. So I think we'll wait and see. 
wait I mean, until it comes out. Because even if they are, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the player yeah. base will find a way to adapt. The thing that I'm worried about with the Russian carry is the whole one strike and then you're out. Then it's back and recycle and so on and so on. But their attacks can be launched from outside effective anti-aircraft range anyway. So they get that one full strike with all of their aircraft before any of them get shot down. So it doesn't matter. And that kind of worries me. I, I will say this. They are not equal across the tiers at all yes. at the moment. There's definitely further balancing to be done. Yeah. And I mean, again, of course, remember, we're talking about yeah. stuff that's still under, yeah. still under development, so anything can happen. I mean, what worries me is that the, the, I, the, the basic concept is something I would agree with, right? That if you only have one strike, that means actually shot down planes would reduce the number of the strike. Of course, yeah. they're countering that with the range, which is already bad. And the next concept they have is that the planes have like this rocket boost, so they're initially fast, right? But then they are very slow, so you want, they want the carriers to get close which puts the carrier in more danger. But the question is, will people actually do that? Or will they just sit very far in the back? Then they'll fly over half of the map, then Wargaming looks at the numbers and like, oh, we need to up the damage because the average damage is low. <laughs> and then some people will figure out to get close and they will just wreck everything. Yeah. And Wargaming is like, yeah, but you know, the spreadsheet says that most people sit at the back, so we get a balance for that. And I, I, the problem is I've lost a bit of trust in Wargaming in the last couple of years. Well, uh, three years ago, I would have looked at this and said, guys, it's going to be fine. Wong is going to balance that, right? This is just best ways. But these days, I we look at that and, yeah, I could see them release something completely broken. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's, look, at, yeah. look at the commander skill. Everybody <laughs> here told them that Deadeye was a bad idea. I am proud to say that I was the first one to do so. And they went, nah, it'll be fine. So... There was the Commander Skill rework, and then a rework of the Commander Skill rework, and now we've just had a rework of the rework of the Commander Skill rework, and we're about to have a rework of the rework of the rework of the Commander Skill rework. Because everything was fine. We didn't know what we were talking about. Ah, it reminds me of, um, did you ever see that clip from BlizzCon, like, three years ago, where J. Allen Brack, Blizzard's president, was answering questions on the stage. It was when the Warlords of Draenor expansion came out, and somebody stood up, guy, a, a World of Warcraft fan, wearing a hoodie, and said, have you ever considered having servers of the game as it was in previous expansions? And J. Allen Brack just said, no. And that would have been insulting and enough. But then he stood up and had the balls to say, you only think you want that. But you really don't. And then two years later, World of Warcraft Classic, the most successful thing they've done since the Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you seeing a <laughs> parallel here? Yeah. Yeah. I know this is a complete aside, but um, Blizzard's actually just been in the news the last day or two. And it's not, oh, yeah, they're getting sued, aren't they? Blizz. By California. Yeah. For sexual harassment and yeah, basically they ah, full know. full Ubisoft levels of like yeah. workplace shittiness essentially. I I was I can't remember the exact wording of the uh, of the lawsuit, but I, I, one peculiar thing that I saw was when they were referring to the mistreatment of and I quote women and women of color. Well, isn't that all women? 
Why, why do you think there's I, a difference? I think I think possibly if they're differentiating between, say, racism problems mixed in uh, with sexism problems, like they're they're specifically making that distinction. Possibly also, it's a legal thing. Possibly yeah. if if there's a racial thing in there, there's a harsher penalty, which is why they specifically said and women of color within the terms of the lawsuit. I don't know American law. It could law also law. have been that they have been mistreated even more, and then they bring yeah. like additional charges for those cases or something. Well, that'll be what to keep an eye on. Bloody warm in here. That says that old man looks suspiciously familiar. I don't look that old. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't realise we were being yeah. watched. Nobody yeah. told me there'd be an audience. I should have raised my fee. So what's our next well, topic? Unless we still have more to say on this one. I've forgotten what this I, one was. Well, it, it was, was the Missouri. Missouri and then. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're still talking yeah. about Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we've mostly covered in Missouri, right? Or was there yeah. anything? Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. It's all about... Yeah, I, it's about battle influence, not profits. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, next we had something that we've uh, think for, uh, forgotten to mention last time, that there are still two new ships announced, like the Karl von Schoenberg and the Brandenburg, like some Germans. Oh, the, the uh, Jutland veterans and, and up. I haven't actually looked. We're talking about the new German bow cruisers. Yeah. Uh, well, no, these are uh, a new premium destroyer at tier six. Oh. And oh. Brandenburg is. Uh, I'm not sure yeah, how battleship. closely it tracks to the Bismarck, but it's it's sort of Bismarck ish, but with 12 inch guns. 305. So it's million. a tier eight Scharnhorst. Uh, kind of, yeah. So I we mean, just I, had that given to us for testing. Isn't that today. what they kind of tried with the Odin? Kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what distinguishes it from the Odin, to be honest. I mean, I, I have to stunts here. It doesn't seem to have hydro, so it just has the torpedo tubes. Yeah, I have to admit, I know nothing about this. <laughs> this is uh, all going to be you two. This is basically what's available to see on the dev blog, so we don't have a lot yeah. of detail. Have a quick look, um, I embarrass myself by commenting the, on things that I have. Oh, here we go. It'll be the top one, new ships, and yeah. then right down at the bottom. So, yeah, the I mean, the the Schoenberg is, um, that's going to be 150 mil guns on a tier 6 destroyer, and it doesn't have smoke. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So, that could be a little different. I mean, it's but certainly... it has engine boost and heal. Like engine boost yeah. and smoke on a German is a bit weird because it's not what you'd expect from a German. It definitely doesn't fit with any other German destroyer we have at all. Although if it has the improved uh, AP on those 150 mil guns, then it will yeah. just be semi-like the new line. But yeah, like a no, no is, Yeah. But no smoke. What do I want to talk to you about? Torpedoes are knots. Okay, so they're more in line with the, um, the gear. Also, also, look at the, like, it's 2,200 HE shell damage, right? And the new German line, I think, has only 1,700, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I think they, they have buffed yeah. the HE damage. 
So, you know, because the Germans on, they're notorious for, it's bizarre because they give them improved HE penetration and then anemic HE shells that do no damage and have lousy fire chance. Um, which looks like they're, they're doing a U-turn on that one with this. That might be quite interesting, actually. Tier yeah. 6 isn't too bad. Oh, I, mean, not the, I, I think it's it's the same guns as the the, the thing uh, the the that you seven had the thirty nine. Maybe doesn't Gator have an option of one hundred and fifty mil guns? I'm pretty sure it does. Didn't they remove their one hundred fifties options when they introduced the new line to make the new line Maybe. special? Maybe. Uh, no, no, still there. Um, okay. It's only got four guns. Is the same as the Gator. Yeah, it's interesting because the old 150s on the, on the uh, like, German destroyers before the new line were better. Like, they had better high explosive. And when they made the 150 line, they nerfed the high explosive of the new line compared yeah. to the old high explosive. Because, I, mean, I guess they just wanted people to use the AP. Yeah, but, like, you don't, like, it, it's not like the old high explosive was good. It's just, like, people were like, yeah, this is bad. And Warhammer was like, <laughs> we can do worse. Got a repair party. Tier six destroyer. Yeah, that's probably the most interesting thing about it, to be honest. It's not particularly yeah. fast. The stability doesn't look particularly great. Um, yeah, three charges of repair party. It's got a slightly faster reload than the Gearder's 150 mils, but I can't see like the shell damages are the same. So it'll be interesting to see if it's the same AP or if it's the improved pen AP. It's only four guns. It's probably going to. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have a slow reload. Obviously, it's going to rely on on citadels, on light armor targets. It's yeah. like cruiser hunter, just like the Elding, just not as good as the Elding. It, it might um, be more similar to. Well, it'll be slower than, but the uh, the Igler with its 139 mil, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. like cruiser hunting guns. That's oh, fantastic time to be a light cruiser in World of Warships, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of those battle cruisers that can overmatch you from any angle because all the battleships weren't bad enough. Aircraft everywhere. And unlike the destroyers, you have a citadel. Oh, yeah. And now these things. Yes, the Brandenburg. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the other one. So that's... Yeah, lots it, and it, lots of secondaries. And torpedoes. It's going to be interesting to see how it compares specifically... To the Odin, uh, let's see. Odin. Odin has got a better reload, quite a considerably better reload. But Odin has three less guns, right? Yeah. Odin is nine guns, and I think this thing's twelve. So it's twelve, yeah, with an eighteen and a half kilometer range. It's slightly worse than Odin, but I think it can still mount a catapult. And it yeah, have... you got a choice between fighter or spotter. Yeah. And you should have more hit points than Odin. 58,800. Uh, yeah, not by much. Odin's 52k. Odin was always notable for having not a lot, so yeah. Um, but, I mean, Turpitz has I'm 69k, so it's still on the low side. Yeah, but I think I'm you at, at least I'm have more at the than the of those guns. 1.6, oof, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> That's the Frederick the, the Great looks at that and thinks, oh, I'm not so bad after all. <laughs> Oof. That is awful. So the fact it doesn't have a hydro makes me think they don't necessarily intend for this to get in super close. And well, it has torps, like six kilometer it can, it, can, it, it can torp, yeah. It's got the, the usual six kilometer mm-hmm. torpedoes. It's, it says it's got lots and lots and lots of secondaries. It, it, 
Well, it kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't. Um, it's got 10 twin 105mm mounts, so five on each side, 10 secondaries per side. That's not a lot, and they're only 105mm. It also oh, six, six times two 150s. Does it? I didn't see that. I, I have this. the studs open. And in the studs oh, yes, you're right, you're right. Six, six twin 150s as well. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, that's the same as the Bismarck and the Tirpitz. And what does Odin have? Odin's got less than that. They're extremely high velocity in the secondaries. Well, Odin's got 128 mil and 150 mil, so more useful in terms of its caliber size, but I think just fewer of them. I'll whip the calculator out and figure out what the penetration is for 105 mils, unless anybody knows it off the top of their head. Well, I can... Uh, uh, it by should be... Yeah, 26 millimeters of, of HE pen. Yeah, 105 mils do get quarter caliber penetration on the Germans, don't they? Or is it 128 mil in the bow? I can't no, no, they should get the improved penetration. The 105s reach 32 with IFHG. Right. I'm not okay. sure without IFHG, but the, the Germans are the only nation where basically your secondary, all of your secondaries reach the 32 threshold with IFHG at 7 and above. Okay. Oh, I okay. suppose at some point we should probably talk about the, uh, the rework of the rework of the rework with uh, secondary skills. Whenever uh, you're ready. <laughs> We've talked about that in the past, but I mean, it's, it's, it remains to be seen, but they've now clarified this right. So you, you don't get the, like, you only get the 10% bonus when it starts, but within the first 10 seconds, you're up to the, what, like 35% bonus you have right now. Yeah. And yeah. then in the next, what, 35 seconds, you get like the full bonus and you the lose like about 10% when you switch targets. The target switching is a bit of a shame mm -hmm. because that's definitely something that you'd want to do as a good player based on what shows up. But, I mean, it's, it's something that needs to be tested because, like, you for 10 seconds, you have a disadvantage and after 10 seconds, you have an advantage, so... It kind of has been tested. I was watching somebody test it earlier today um, on the public test server. Flamu <laughs> uh, had previously um, with the growth of Kerfurst mm -hmm. on the, uh, in a training room. This was back when, uh, secondaries, you know, worked. Um, and with the growth of Kerfurst secondaries at a range of, I think, 10 kilometers, took two minutes to destroy, uh, Des Moines. And then he did it again, uh, with a growth of Kerfurst and a Des Moines in a training room today, uh, with all of the new secondary skills. And he almost, like, less than a 1,000 health remaining, almost killed the Des Moines in two minutes with the new skill. Which means that in a classroom environment, the new skill is as good as what the old skill was. But we don't play in a classroom environment. Um, it, uh, that Des Moines goes undetected for 10 seconds and suddenly, uh, you know, it's effectively selecting a new target. You're no longer as accurate. It ducks behind an island. It, whereas previously, you got that 65% like that, straight mm. from the start. And it was 65% yeah. all the way. And by the way, if a destroyer comes around an island six kilometers in front of you, you don't have 45 seconds to wait. 
Right, you need to be scoring those yeah. hits now. Um, so on paper, yes, it is as effective as the old skill. In practice, it isn't, but it is better than the current skill. So on the whole, yeah, definitely an improvement, but nowhere near as good as the old skill was. It, it definitely feels like they've they've almost deliberately made it so that it, it is much more valuable against large surface targets, you know, battleships especially, and... Uh, Not as valuable against uh, things that only stay spotted for a couple of yeah, seconds. Yeah, destroys like Submarines. And subs, yeah. What how much they, the they, was? Because they changed subs. the rocket attack plane thing, didn't they? And destroyer captains everywhere went, yay! And I said, yeah, you, you, you're just a happy... You're just a happy <laughs> bystander. Oh, here. yes, yeah. This wasn't <laughs> aimed at you. Yeah. This was so that Submarines couldn't be one-shotted on the surface by rocket attack planes. Because, yeah. you know, a destroyer has 20,000, mm. 25,000, nearly 30,000 health at Tier 10. How much health does a Tier 10 does a submarine have? 15,000? Yeah. I, I, I Look at all of these changes that are coming in and ask yourself, are Wargaming doing this for the benefit of the player base who've been complaining about rocket attack planes wiping out their destroyers for the last two years, who've been, compl- who've been complaining about... Uh, this is don't get to my age. I've lost I've lost where I'm going halfway through the conversation. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, secondaries. We've been complaining that the secondary skills have been nerfed, and then they're, they're they're making them good again, just out of the goodness of their hearts, or are they making them good in a way that will shut you up, but not nuke submarines the second they're introduced in the next season of ranked battles? Yeah. Always ask yourself why wargaming or appear to be doing what the player base wants. I think subs here, we definitely have to have that as a context for to to think about why things are changing. Yes, I, I I'm, I'm with you, Atom. I don't really trust wargaming anymore. I, I look at what they're bringing <laughs> in and I think to myself, okay, why are you really making this change? Second question. Mm. What well, after they've answered the first question? Second question. Are you sure? <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, I have to say this, right? Secondaries get a lot of shit recently, but honestly, even in the current state, they they work still work on the Germans because they, they work a lot yes. less, obviously, against destroyers and such. But if you are in prolonged engagement with battleships, with cruisers, you will do quite a bit of damage, right? I've managed 70k yeah. in secondaries still. And I if I get like 200 secondary hits, you expect to get about 40 to 50k damage in a high-tier game. So... But yeah, they, they have definitely nerfed the secondaries against like smaller targets. And the problem is that if you aren't like a German or a key, then those were like your primary target because very little secondaries actually go over the 32 threshold that you need for battleships. So basically, Wargaming has changed secondaries so that they only work against bigger ships. But a lot of secondaries were never really effective against in the first place. The only, like the US secondaries, the only reason to have to exist is to farm like basically destroyers. Or, yes. And the French and Italian secondaries are completely yeah. pointless, and they're basically decorational and start the occasional fire. Yeah, and it's like, uh, well, the, the, the US secondaries used to work against cruisers before the RFHG changed. They took that away, and then with the rework, they took the accuracy away that they no longer work against destroyers, so now they are just decoration, yeah. which is a shame and- because we had, like, with the Missouri and the Georgia and the Ohio, like, interesting Germans, uh, interesting US ships. I think you meant Massachusetts, not Missouri. Ah, uh, yes, yes, sorry. Yes. I was thinking, Missouri? We're back to that again. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and I know, I know, even before I say it, I know there's nothing historically accurate about World of Warships. 
aside from how much of a game changer and how dominant aircraft carriers were. But apart from that, there's nothing historically accurate about World of Warships. But ask yourself this question. What were all those secondaries on battleships and cruisers for? Because it wasn't for shooting at battleships and other cruisers. Mm. And yet, here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they hit, they would be more effective than battleships because battleship main guns are capped at the damage. They just don't hit. Mm. It would certainly be nice if particularly Italian battleship secondaries were a bit better. Seeing as how the SAP is, like you're at a disadvantage versus destroyers. Yeah. I mean, it oh, would yeah, give them a reason to get close. Yeah. I don't get it. What, why? Is it just, well, again, capped against destroyers? Ask yourself this question. Are they going to be capped against submarines as well? Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, suddenly it's all starting to make sense, isn't it? Submarines must be a success. So nerf everything that might destroy them. Before you introduce them. Call me a cynical old fool. <laughs> but I see a pattern developing here. I mean, they've also, like, with, with the, the rework of the rework of the rework of the, of the captain skills, right? They added, like, what, what they changed about one skill for, for in submarine, anti-submarine stuff, right? Everyone has. What was it yeah. like that you have more splash damage and something? Oh, right? oh yeah, the uh, yes, battleship high explosive does fifteen percent more splash damage if it's shooting at a submarine, stuff like that. There's all these little addendums added to the various skills. Yeah, but there were very few, right? It's like you'd think like, like when they add when they add submarines that they like update like actually the skills so that you could probably maybe spec against them or like specialize against them or have additional utility against them, right? But there, there was basically nothing. It was just some token yeah. changes. So I guess we can look forward to the rework of the rework of the rework when, when then they... Uh... Yes, when they rework all the submarine skills, or anti-submarine skills, or actually put some anti-submarine skills in. <laughs> uh, does, did, uh, is it just me, or did we not miss the days when I could look at the captain skills and say, I know what that skill does. I know exactly how it's going to work, and I know exactly what effect I'm going to have. And now we're looking at the skills, and it's... Well, this might work on the second Tuesday of every August. Um, maybe. <laughs> um, but only if I'm wearing clean underwear and I've had a shave that morning. But even when it is working, the game won't tell me. <laughs> I'm just be expected to trust it. There'll be no icon that pops up that lets me know this skill is now active. I'll just have to uh, screw it. I miss the days when I just knew what the skills did, when they said, this skill will give you 65% more accurate secondaries. This skill will make you 12% less visible. And and that was it. You didn't need to get a calculator and a slide rule out to figure whether or not the skill was actually going to be a benefit to you or not. And you knew when it was going to work. I kind of miss those days. I mean, yes and no. I'm not opposed to to more... uh... I should say more variable skills, right? For example, that 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 that's something that I've been proposing for a long time is is that if you like uh, a defensive skill that maybe skills with like how close you are to an enemy or something, and they have now something that what your cooldown for damage can also gets reduced or for for the heal gets reduced, the more potential damage you have. It didn't sound so great because the numbers might need tweaking, but I like the idea, right? I like the idea yeah. of a skill that maybe, you know, changes over the course of the battle or things like that. I also I, like the I, idea of I agree. defensive skills. 
I agree, but you see, this is where expectation runs into reality and ends <laughs> up in a snotty heap on the floor. Because you say such and such, you get better value out of this skill. It scales exponentially on how close the enemies are. Which enemies? Do yeah. aircraft count? Is it only visible enemies? Is it ships that are inside your detection range, even if you, whether or not you can or can't see them? And suddenly we end up having to get our slide rule and calculator out to figure out whether or not this skill is actually going to be of any benefit to us. I mean, but there is like what you mentioned before. It would be very easy to solve if you had an icon like that, that said like yeah. closest enemy is this and this is yeah, the bonus exactly. that you get. And the sad thing is it feels like I played video games 20 years ago and I had that information. It's not like yeah. that, that's a new development. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This, this, I mean, yes, you can have more complex skills with greater variation and scope for tactical gameplay, but if you don't know when those skills are actually working, you don't know whether or not they're useful. So just give us an icon. Some, some of the, yeah, yeah some of the, um, the cruiser skills have particularly fall into that category, I think, like outnumbered. Which gives you a dispersion yeah. bonus if there's uh, more enemy ships than allies. So, you know, if you're obviously continuously counting the ships that are in range of your main ship's battery, <laughs> then that's <laughs> fine. You'll definitely know when that's active. But it would be really nice if an icon would come up and show you all the same. There's also yes. top-grade gunner, which is basically the same. It, it has a conditional activation, which you don't get to see in-game. In that's another thing that's been uh, similar. Similar topic, um, detection. It's like, it, you can be, how can you, how many different ways can you be detected in World of Warships? You can be visually spotted, you can be hydroed, you can be radared, you can be air spotted. That about covers it? Yes. Yeah. 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 So if, technically there's the two kilometer auto spotting radius yeah. as well. Yes. Yes. And there's also proximity detection. So five different ways of being spotted. Now, if I'm in the Missouri, and there's a Shimakaze seven kilometers away who can see me, but I can't see him. And ten kilometers away, there's a Stalingrad running his radar. What do you think is more important for me to know? That there's a Shimakaze spotting me from seven kilometers away, or that I've been radared by a Stalingrad on the far side of an island 12, ten kilometers away who couldn't shoot at me anyway? And which icon is the one that takes precedence and pops up on screen and lets me know I've been spotted? It ain't the somebody can see you in direct line of sight icon. Why can't it show us? Instead, we get the radar. And then if we're being radared and hydroed at the same time, we still get the you're being radared icon until the radar expires, and then the hydroed icon pops up. And then when the hydroed icon expires, because you're no longer in hydro range, or the hydro expires and somebody is looking at you, that's when you get the exclamation icon for somebody sees you visually. When that is surely at least equally as important to know as every other source of detection. So why does it only give you the one? And whose decision was it that letting you know you've been radared is more important than letting you know you've been visually spotted? Why can't we have all three? That, yeah. that would tell me more. But, again, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It would be very easy. You would have, like, uh, at top a spotted icon, and then you have, like, four, like, uh, yeah. small symbols atop it, and the one that are... Uh, Check basically lit up, right? And then you can see you're spotted yeah. like by three sources. Yeah, your average player wouldn't care. He just knows he's been spotted. He's like, oh, great, I've been spotted. W doesn't need to know, wouldn't want to know any more details than that. Your super unicorns have all of that information available to them and can make use of that information. 
But no, just you're spotted. By what? Well, radar and maybe something else, but you won't know until the radar expires. <laughs> I mean, really? I don't know. It puts, uh, yeah, there's probably mods that do that, but it's the sort of information that you shouldn't have to rely on mods to. No. I'm kind of reminded of way back when in World of Tanks before we had any of the, the minimap info that you do now, and mm-hmm. there was a real paucity of information available at times to the player that just made it really difficult to know what was, was, was going on, unless, unless yeah, you, you just, have you just had to. Cap, uh, commander skills. Yeah, a lot of the time, you're like, am I close enough for them to spot me? Well, technically, maybe, but um, I'm in, you know, broken ground and I have 100% camo, so that depends on what his uh, view range is and how well-trained his crew are in eagle eye and blah, blah, and this and that. And then now you've just got range circles around your tank. As long as there are no red... As long as there are no red thingies inside that green circle, I won't be detected when I fire. And a lot of people don't pay any attention to the minimap, and they don't realize that's what it's for. But the information is there for the people who are capable of exploiting it. And previously, a lot of that was just down to mods. Um, that's a good question, though. I'm curious if that sort of information is available to be displayed in a mod and whether or not somebody has done it for World of Warships, letting you know the various different levels of detection that you're currently under. I'd love to know that. Hmm. I, 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 I don't specifically know there is, but it's like the kind of I'll have to have a look. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, it depends if they're like the, the server sends that information or if the server just sends you like just one part. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if this, yeah, well, it could be. It depends on how they've written their code, whether or not the server's polling for the for every level of detection that you're currently under or just the one that matters the most according to whatever Wargaming have decided. It could be a network issue. I don't know. I suspect probably not. I think they're just lazy. Because I don't trust anybody. I mean, I just feel like they have... uh, They probably look at this and he's like, how is this going to make us money? And they're like, no, that's not going to make us money. That's that's a good change for the player base. Like, how does it make us money? Yes, you you always, and I'm not just throwing shade at Wargaming here. You know, they're a business the same as anybody else. And the bottom line that you always have to ask yourself every time a company makes a change or refuses to make a change that people are asking for is, how will this or will this not affect their bottom line? Will this cost too much and not actually provide any any source of income for them? In which case, it's never going to happen, um, which isn't unreasonable. And I think the the number of players who would get a benefit from this kind of change that I'm suggesting is probably not even half of 1% of the player base. And and that's those are the kind of numbers that Wargaming look at, and these are the kind of numbers that every business looks at. Um, because the, the, the people who actually know how to play the game and are capable of absorbing and utilizing that kind of information probably don't actually spend an awful lot of money on the game. They don't need to spend an awful lot of money on the game because they play it all the time and they've got all the ships and they've got millions of credits and tons of gold sitting in their accounts. They're not the kind of people that Wargaming are likely to spend, are likely to earn any money from, other than recommending the game to their friends by word of mouth. They're extremely unlikely to be the the kind of section of the player base that Wargaming are willing to spend money on. They're probably not, then. I was watching, sorry, I was just going to I was watching a Josh Strife Hayes video today about um, the insidious way 
that MMO developers monetize their games. Free, free to play MMOs. It kind of applies to World of Warships and World of Tanks as well, but mm-hmm. not really because they're, they're, they're not MMOs. But you've got three different kinds of players. Uh, you've got the new players. You've got the players who were invested in the game. And then you've got the guys who have maxed everything out. So, you know, we fall into the category of people who have maxed everything out. As far as the new players are concerned, your initial experience, and this is probably true, World of Warships and World of Tanks as well, is as as painless and hassle-free as possible because they don't want to piss you off in the first hour that you play the game, the first day that you play the game. So playing at level, you know, you're mostly playing against bots, basically. You certainly are playing against bots at Tier 1. You're mostly playing against bots at Tier 3, 4, and sometimes 5, depending on the server that you're playing on. Hello, North America. Um, <laughs> and so you have an enjoyable experience, even if you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, and that's fine. What they want you to do is to, as quickly as possible, become a Tier 2 player, somebody who's invested in getting better, getting that Tier 10 ship, then starting another nation, then getting the Tier 10 ships in that nation, and so on and so on and so on and so on. And that's the point where they start creating problems so they can sell you solutions, because these are the people who care and are probably going to spend money. Meanwhile, the people who've maxed everything out, they don't care about the people who have maxed everything out. Um, because they've maxed everything out, they no longer have any problems in the game, so there's nothing that they can sell them, because they've got everything. Until they introduce... Well, in the world of MMOs, they introduce a new patch, a new expansion that resets everything, introduces a new level cap, and makes everybody crap again. And, and then they, mm-hmm. they, that's, that's why they introduce its expansions. It's so that all of the max level players, which at the end of any given expansion on, on most of the player base, are reset back to tier two players that they can sell things to again. Um, and you see this in World of Warships. We've got all the tier 10 ships. Italian cruisers, yay! Okay, I've got all of those. <laughs> Dutch cruisers, yay! Okay, now I've got all of those. Submarines, you know, it's, this is this is how they they keep you in that mid tier where they can maximize the profit by selling you things. Yeah, they've even video. managed to sell us factory uh, ships now, right? For random bundles. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, I've completely forgotten why I brought that uh, example up. <laughs> <laughs> because when it gets to my age, the memory is the first thing. Or is it the second thing? I can't remember. That goes. Anyway. We are known to go off topic. <laughs> I think, uh, what, what was I going to say? It was, um, oh, yeah, it, it kind of ties into that point in that, yeah, they, they've, what you were saying about the uh, the judgment of what what's going to make them the most money. I mean, I, I, we kind of saw this in World of Tanks as well for a long time. Anyway, it was um, a kind of uh, uh, almost content mill of just new new lines of vehicles and a new premium every month. Yeah, and World of Tanks it's now come down to basically just a dribble of premiums, and very 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 rarely they'll they'll bring out a new line of tanks. Yeah. Uh, the bond equipment, I think, was the latest straw to break the camel's back in World of Tanks, mm-hmm. uh, where you basically have to play, I think it's ranked, um, over and over and over in order to get all the bond equipment, which is just way better than all of mm-hmm. the, you know, like vents and camo nets and so on and so on. Um, it's like 50% again as effective. And so if you want to be competitive, you have to do this and so on and so on and grind out. It's, it's, it's the latest hamster wheel in World of Tanks for, 
the super unicums and the people who aspire to be super unicums. I think yeah, looking it's at... all about it's all about keeping keeping things going that they can yeah. charge you money for, that making you want things. I think it was probably a, a big driver behind the um the they were proposing a big crew rework for World of Tanks as well, but I'm not sure. Yes, that getting rid of the whole crew and just replacing it with one commander. Yeah. So basically the World of Warships model. Yes. I, I wasn't sure. I, I didn't really read too much about it. I don't know if they were going for the World of Warships model or the World of Warships Legends model, which had a very, very good commander system. Um, and we ended up with the commander rework and the various different... You can have a commander with skills for battleships, skills for cruisers, mm-hmm. and so on and so on. Um, ended up kind of copying and adapting what they have in Legends and moving it up. Because, I, I mean, the commander rework wasn't all bad. Um, that hadn't been able to have one captain and, and stick him on whichever ship, and mm-hmm. he would be trained for that ship. Oh, it's mm-hmm. a great idea. Um, you know, as far as it went, it's just the skills themselves that were mostly terrible, um, <laughs> at least in the first iteration. And they were. They were absolute, just not hardly, I mean, don't get me started about Dead Eye. And that's just a poster boy for the Commander Skill rework. It wasn't the only one. It's just the one that got all the press. But, yeah, um, I mean, you know, these things aren't entirely terrible. But you always just have to ask yourself, how is this going to make them money? Or if they don't do this, how is that? Is you know how was that not going to make them money? And, and that will usually. And there's nothing. And again, I, I keep stressing this. Nobody should be surprised at this. They're a business running a free play game. Um, their monetization isn't nearly as predatory as you know games in the mobile market, for example, or other free to play games. It's not that bad. It's actually fairly restrained. Um, that doesn't mean it's good. But it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, if you're a mobile game, then basically halfway through the battle, you'd have a pop-up. You're out of ammunition. Would you like to buy more? Yeah, yeah. Would you like? Yeah, exactly. No, you, you think you're joking? <laughs> you're not. <laughs> and I've seen PC MMOs like that as well. Um, that are basically banished around you having healing potions, and you think it's fantastic. Well, I can't die. These these healing potions automatically go off whenever I get to a certain amount of health, and I've got two hundred of them. I'm invincible, and then you run out. And the only way to get healing potions is through the premium shop. <laughs> and they, they, they give you enough that you get invested in the game, that exactly. you like, love it, right? Yes. And that's that like you want to play tier more. One, tier one, new player, make it as painless and enjoyable as possible. They want you hooked. Their aim is to turn you into a tier two player as quickly as they can, because the tier two player needs to buy the health potions because he's enjoyed what he's played so far. Yeah, that's how it works. Uh, so, yeah, I, actually, the, the next topic that we plan on talking for that we've kind of uh, talked about a little bit, I guess, were premiums in general and, like, maybe what, what premiums we enjoy or what premiums maybe we'd like to see more in the game of. Like, mm. as you said, they are they are a company, right? They they got to sell us yeah. something, right? And they are, like, for example, I love my Ocotnik. I think the Ocotnik is not really too much of a game-breaking ship. It's just low tier that makes it easy to farm people with. And I, it's my guilty pleasure. Oh, did you say the Yukon? O- Okotnik, tier, tier 5 Russian oh, right. boats. Yes, it, it's the talk of World of Warships. Yes. That, that's the war canoe, isn't it? The really, yes, really exactly. long one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought you said Yukon. I was like, what? You love the Yukon? <laughs> uh, What's no, wrong no. with you? <laughs> <laughs> These Austrians are weird. 
yeah, the Occultnik. Yeah, that's a that's a fun little ship. Um, I'm trying to think. I think the last. I mean, there's the War Sprite, obviously. Yeah, my my girl. But I I really. It's years since I played the Granny Ashy. You remember that? Oh yeah. When was the last time anybody saw one in a battle? I can't remember. Uh, every the whole stealth nerf, the, the stealth firing thing, that that thing was dirty. It was so OP. And then it just yeah. became a kind of reasonably competent tier 5 yeah. destroyer. I mean, it hasn't like been in Sims. a game for a long time, so only very old like veterans would even have it, right? So obviously yeah, it was a, going to see the long... It was you were able to buy it as the pre-launch bundle in the beta test. It was the Greniashi and the Sims, I think it was. So you could have them and the when the game went live. And the, that was it. Yeah, there was a package of three. Um, the Sims is another one that's been horribly, horribly power crept. Especially since um, the 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 AA like the, the CV rework and the AA like they at least used to be able to boast decent AA at its yeah. tier and now. Not so much. Because I remember when The Sims, I loved it. I thought it was amazing because it was. You know, fast-turning turrets. It was Tier 7. And, what you know, you, the only competition was the Mayhem, <laughs> which is arse. Uh, I remember grinding up the Mayhem, and I was like, I hate this thing. I hate it. I can't I The Mayhem was so bad, it made me look forward to the Benson. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, Benson's the Benson was so good. It's not yeah. that bad now, but again, it's power creep. But the Sims was a tier seven American destroyer with fast turning turrets. It could stealth torpedo. Oh my god! Because uh, the Mayhem couldn't until it got the Benson torpedoes. Um, and I think due to the way the tech tree worked, they were the last thing that you could actually unlock on the thing. Um, but yeah, and now, I mean, you see a Sims and you just think, oh, that poor guy. Especially in a tier nine game. Mm. But, but, you know, for fun fact about the Kremyanshin that you mentioned earlier, right? So, basically, like, when I stream, usually the last battle I play in Okotnik. So I play, like, once a stream I play in Okotnik, because it's my guilty pleasure as the last battle. And I usually division with Viper Sox, and he mostly plays a Kremyanshin, and he's over 7,000 yeah. battles in that thing. Well, it is. It was such a good ship, though. Um, as long as oh, you didn't yeah. have to turn. <laughs> as long as you could just stay at range, firing at the same target that wasn't adjusting its course or speed. And just yeah, hammer them yeah. with his one thirties. As long as you didn't have to turn the ship and then wait thirty seconds for the guns to track back <laughs> onto the target. <laughs> That's uh, pretty much the only thing that that is truly bad on it. Yeah, it's turret rotation. Ooh, Japanese Japanese destroyers look at that and think, "Oh, our shit ain't that bad after all." <laughs> Other premiums. I don't know. I mean, that's I lose track because there are so many. And again, yeah. you know, I'm not criticising wargaming here. They're a company. They have to put food on the table and selling premium ships. Um, you don't have to buy them. You know, just buy the ones you like the look of. Um, I'm not sure about their. Well, I suppose they have to take. But, um, but how many different ways are there of getting premium ships? You can buy them in the shop. You can get them via. Okay, well, yes, you can get them via loot crates, but only on special occasions. We'll not, we'll not count that. Regular, the regular process of getting your hands on a premium, either buy it on the shop, get it through an in-game mission, research it in the, not the Naval Training Center, the Research Bureau, I think they call it now. Mm -hmm. I, I have never used it, so I, I can't, I can never make my mind up what it's called. Um, or get it for coal in the armory, or get it for steel. 
So five different ways. So if it's steel, forget it. I'm never going to sing it. Um, if it's research bureau, forget it. I'm never going to sing it. And I've got all the ships that are available for coal. So I don't really have an awful lot of interest in new premiums uh, because most of them I'm never going to get my hands on because I don't do ranked or any of that stuff. So I never get any steel except for when I'm knocking the snowflakes off my ships at Christmas. I think I'm up to 16,000. So another three years and I might be able to get the Georgia. Oh, wait, no, that's research bureau. Okay. Another three years, I might be able to get the Stalingrad. Uh, yeah, I don't even have a Stalingrad. How sad. Oh, me neither. I have exactly I, one steel ship, and it's the Somers. And same. I have zero research bureau ships because fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's why on earth? And again, you know, we're going back to the whole tier one, tier two, tier three yeah. type player. All of those players who had everything maxed out, Wargaming figured out a way to turn you back into grinders. Yep. <laughs> Reset mean, the lines and grind them out again. You're a tier hand. two player again. Now we it, can sell you things. It's it's nice that you can get these things and it costs you time. Yeah. But it it that's why it's there really is is yeah. to give people something to grind for. Exactly. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that because, as Atom says, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spend all that time grinding these ships out to grind them out again. No, thank you. And that's fine. People can choose. You know. Uh, and a lot of people have, yeah. you know, you see George's and whatever other research bureau ships are at. Shikishima's a research bureau ship? Uh, is it? Or is I, it? Don't I don't know. know. Could, could also be. I just know I don't have it and I'm never going to. But yeah, people can choose. The option is there. I don't have a problem with games giving you choice. It's, it's when they lock these things behind progression walls that you must do this that I, I have issues. But World of Warships doesn't really do that. I don't think, I can't think of any examples other than you must play the game in order to get to the IG and mm -hmm. Yamato, because that's the way the game works. Um, I think the only, but, the only thing that would kind of maybe fall under that is when we've had stuff like the, the Puerto Rico, where they just made it, you know, technically you get it for free, but it's so yeah. obnoxious well, to do. So. That's, that's, that, was, that was a clear case of, create, of manufacturing a problem so they could sell you the solution. Yeah. That's something that like, Ubisoft loves to do. Yeah. What's the the game's grindy? We have a solution for that. <laughs> Can I direct your attention to the Helix store? You made it grindy, you bastards. But there's a way around that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know what bugs me the most about like the research bureau? Like it's not like Wargaming invented this whole thing to reset your progression and do stuff again, right? There are many of games where you can like reset your progress on maybe a weapon, a character, or something like that, and do it again and get like prestige ranks. Uh yeah. if you do so. Diablo, but, for example. Uh the the thing is that in World of Warships you like you don't like reset your Shimakaza, right? You reset your IGN line. Meaning even if you love your Shimakaza you and you play it so much, you'd like I I have no problem playing through that again or something. Now you play through the exact you you play through the line, right? You play through a lot of different ships that play differently on different tiers, on tiers where there might not even players around to play with. And you have to rebuild them and re-upgrade all of them. It's just like you you can't even like just because you like something so much you reset that. Basically people just reset something that they dislike and then possibly free XP through it, right? It's yeah. like they, they took a system and they twisted it enough. They took a system that I didn't like and twisted it enough to make it even more shit. Yeah, but they've got to figure out a way of getting people to burn through all that free experience. <laughs> 
simply sticking utter turkeys in the various different lines at tier eight and nine, so people will burn through free experience just to get to the tier 10, wasn't enough. Hence the research bureau. People got too much free experience. They thought, oh, that's all right. We'll introduce ships for free experience. A million free XP. Nobody will have that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. I, I'll be honest. I, I prefer it this way than, than the Gaijin way, which is just to repeatedly nerf the economy into the ground. Yeah. And, and yeah. And don't forget the, the, the Naval Training Center, as it was, as the Research Bureau was originally going to be known. It's one of the few examples in recent memory I can think of where everybody said, because their original plan was not to, not to use it to mm -hmm. unlock new ships was to buff ships that you already had mm -hmm. to make the good players even better. And everybody said that is an absolutely terrible idea. I don't care if it's only a 5% buff to reload. It's just a terrible idea. Do not do that. You'll drive a wedge in the player base. And they actually listen. They don't listen often. It does take a fairly big right? pushback. Yes. But yeah, sometimes they're, they're not they, quite they Blizzard don't. Activision. They do listen. They don't always do what we want them to do, but sometimes they do, and they do at least listen. But that was also a few years ago, you know, like... It's interesting to think about, but that the last Gamescom that actually happened was like two years ago. And mm -hmm. on the last Gamescom, I mean, people were still relatively like happy. Like other contributors that we talked about, there wasn't like all of this doom and gloom that is now. It's only two years ago. And the carry has been changed at that point. But it, it was shortly after they stopped, like I think early in the summer, right? They did the change with, with the sectors that is now. Which was basically the last time they really changed Antia. They basically broke Antia completely with the current sector change. And then they stopped working on it. After they made Antia pointless, they were like, yep, we're mm -hmm. done now. But at this point, we didn't know that they were done, right? So that was just the latest change because they have kept changing Antia like each month for a while now. So people were still also optimistic about that, you know, and uh, basically, you know, we were like, yeah, okay, carriers aren't in a great shape right now, but the tow river could still somehow be fixed and so on. And people were still somewhat optimistic. And that was, I think, the last time that there was, like, a lot of positivity, right? And then there came, like, the whole Puerto Rico, and then, it, I mean, it's been downhill ever since. Puerto Rico, the Christmas loot boxes, the, the Yukon, I'm certain that I'm forgetting... The uh, donation flag, so the flag removal is just oh, yes. something very recent. Yeah, we're farming detonators. We've all got to stop those detonation flag farmers. Oh, yeah, that was Macross, right? Oh, the, the my God. Great thing. Was that Sorry, what was that? Thing? Was the Makarov the Christmas crate thing? Or was yes. That, yes. Yeah, that was that. Okay. It was because they, they, they weren't doing anything that they hadn't done differently for the previous two Christmases except telling people what you, that there was a shortlist. Uh, if you didn't have a Makarov or a Krasny Krim, then no matter what, those would be the first ships that you got from the loot crates. And until you got on every ship on the sh on the shortlist, which were the really shit ones that nobody was willing to buy, you wouldn't get a Missouri or a Nelson or, you know, whatever. Um, but they had, and again, the information was there. They didn't make a special effort to feature it prominently, but the information was there in the first two years that they did this. But then last year, they didn't even put that information in the announcement at all. Um, yeah. And the, the excuse, because it was an excuse, 
because they did deliberately try to mislead people. The excuse was, well, you know, we told you about this last year and the year before. You should all know. What? We should have all remembered something that was buried in a footnote of a news portal post that hardly any of us ever read two years ago. We should remember that, should we? And what about everybody who started playing the game in the last year? Should, Should they have remembered that as well? So, yeah, that was the Christmas loot box fiasco. Yeah, why don't you players look up news posts from three years ago and figure that yeah. out, right? I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was um, yeah, it was around about that Gamescom two years ago when I think they they ran out of their good they they ran out of goodwill. The, the community goodwill yeah. had exhausted itself at that point, and we stopped just thinking that. Yeah, they, they, they are trying. They are listening to us. And we start, regardless of what the truth of the matter may be, that was the point where people started just expecting them to be sleazebags and scumballs and mislead and outright lie and be deceitful uh, and constantly try. Even if that's not the case, that's the impression that people now have. Mm. Um, and they have that impression for very good reasons because of the various different PR fiascos and disasters that they have inflicted upon themselves over the course of the last two years. I mean, there's some great people working at Wargaming. Um, maybe not so much at World of Tanks, but definitely at World of Warships. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, I, I mean, we, I'm not so much sure about you, Atom. I don't know how many community events you've been to, but I know that myself and Jedi, on a rare occasion, we can get them out of the Western Isles. We've, we've been to St. Petersburg. Have you been? I haven't been. I think the last time I went to a thing... Gosh, it must have been the show actually, match, so like 2016 I'm, I'm, or something. It's been a while. Actually, I'm looking at you, and I'm, I realize, just realized now, I am actually thinking of the World of Tanks Grand Finals in Warsaw yeah. about six I've, years ago. Yeah, I've actually got... I've yeah. still got my pro player's badge. So have I. <laughs> That's right, kids. We're pro We're player, pro players. guys. It says so on this badge. Yeah. That was when we did the World of Warship show match, so it would have been six years ago before the game came out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I have met, and obviously you've got the community people working in Prague, and I feel so sorry for guys like Chrysantos and Conway. Oh, yeah. When they have to, when they have to go out and put a brave face on whatever shit show has come down from St. Petersburg this month, and uh, I wouldn't have their job for all the money in well, I would have it for all the money in the world. <laughs> But it would have to be all of the money in the world. You know, they're good people. They try hard. They do their best. Um, but, well, you know, see what happens when a company gets big enough and the people who were there at the start, who were gamers and then developers, and now they're managers. And, you know, things change. Sadly, that's just the way things go. I mean, also, I, like I do if feel... I company has a certain size, right, then they are no longer the gamers that they hire, right? They hire managers for management yeah. and they, they have management experience from, I don't know, a pharma company or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's been brought in um, not because they have ever played a game in their life or have ever written a game in their life, but because they've managed businesses. Um, so they've, they've got no investment in the product whatsoever. They never play it. They don't understand it. They just manage the business. Unfortunately, they have respond. They have the power to make decisions on how the game. You know, it's uh, it's just the way things go when a company gets big enough and successful enough. Mm. Um, 
you know, they, I mean, you could look at the entire development of World of Warships. And again, we're going back to this Josh Strife Hayes thing. Um, World of Warships in its first two years, they, you got detonated. Here's some flags to ensure it doesn't happen again. Um, you set a whole bunch of target ships on fire. Oh, you've done really well here. Here's a reward. You know, I was constantly talking in the first two years of World of Warships that this game is amazing. You know, it's so much fun to play. Um, everything is enjoyable. You don't really have to spend. It was the perfect free-to-play game to me. You didn't have to spend a penny on it. You you need flags? Just go out and play. You will earn flags. In-game missions will give you all the stuff that you need. Uh, and, and I wanted to spend money on the game. That was the trick. It didn't make me feel like I needed to spend money on the game. It was a good game that I enjoyed playing, and I wanted to spend money on it. So I was quite happy to put money down on premium ships, um, even if I ended up not liking them. I was just, I was, I was happy to be invested in the game. Tier one player. And then in the next two years, once they'd sunk their claws into us, that's when things started changing. Bit by bit, a thin end of the wedge here and there. And now we end up having to go out and farm detonation flags. <laughs> That's what we've been reduced to. Uh, but, but that's the way things work. Nobody should be surprised by this. You look at every other free-to-play game in the world, they all follow this 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 process. The the only thing we can do as players is to dig our heels in when things when we feel like things have gone too far and try to keep them honest and say, no, I'm not spending money on that. Go away. You know, I'm not sure about every free-to-play game. I mean, I haven't played Path of Exile in a while, but Path of Exile has always been a game that has... Like remind uh, remained completely fair without pay to win and stuff. I don't know what how the game has developed since, but I haven't heard any any outrage. So I assume it's still I don't, a fair. I don't know. I've never played it, but I would give you the example of RuneScape. Nothing happens in RuneScape unless the developers and the players agree that it's good for the game. Every proposed change they poll the players, and it has to receive at least I don't know sixty three percent approval from the players before any change goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't go in. So, you, you know, you've got the one extreme, RuneScape, mm. um, and then the other extreme, World of Warcraft, where the developers all think that they're far smarter than their player base and don't, just don't listen at all because how could you possibly know what makes a game great? Because uh, we're the ones who play it. We're the ones who decide whether or not we're going to extend our subscription. We're the ones who cancel our subscriptions and all go to Final Fantasy XIV. You know, I, I just remembered something from back when I was playing Path of Exile, and the, the developers once, like, they, they said something that they, they visited, like, a seminar about, like, free-to-play stuff and so on, and they were told that, as a developer, you really need to put pin, a pay-to-win in your game to be successful. And so they asked themselves, so what's pay-to-win? So they sold in their shop, like, pay-to-win, and it was a consumable firework. It was just a cosmetic. <laughs> Because they were like, well, I mean, you know, fireworks looks cool. That's winning, right? And so I bet they, you people bought it. Possibly, oh. but like they, they uh, <laughs> had the story and they're like, so we're now selling pay to win in the shop and <laughs> yeah. it's a consumable firework that does nothing. Yeah, but I'll bet you people bought it out of appreciation. Probably, for, yeah. For their sense of humor. Sure, they had something yeah. like that in Guild Wars 2 as well. Uh, nope. 
I really shouldn't start these stories with they had something like that in this other game if I can't actually remember the full story. <laughs> it creates a level of expectation that I cannot possibly meet. But yes, there was something similar to that in Guild Wars 2, where they put something in that was clearly... Oh, they did something like that in World of Warcraft as well. I know Jedi, you once dabbled in World of Warcraft, couldn't see very, the point. Very briefly, <laughs> yeah. I got to meet Jingles the Gnome in person, as it were. Yes. And see your many, so, many mounts. During the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, the second expansion for the game, um, all the way through vanilla World of Warcraft, all the way through the Burning Crusade, because I played mostly a mage, um, and it was becoming a running gag that every time a patch was announced, it would give you all the patch notes, and there'd be like this huge list of paladin changes, huge list of shaman changes, warrior changes, and then like mages. Majors are here too. And then on to, you know, there was never, they never ever did anything for majors until eventually, and this was just, just an example of the sheer level of contempt <laughs> that Blizzard Activision has for its player base. Um, they got so sick of listening to the majors complain that there was never any changes for majors that one patch came out and there's a list of warrior changes and paladin changes and then mage changes. Um, Changed the icon for Arcane Brilliance, which was a, an, an intellect buff that mages could do. That was it. There was a change. They changed the icon. <laughs> and, of course, mages pried all over their keyboards and blah, 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 and Blizzard didn't care because they just didn't take the piss out of mages. That wasn't enough. Later on in the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, there was a the, the city of Dalaran. It's a floating city. was the main quest hub in uh, that expansion. It's a city of mages, big flying city in the clouds above Crystal Song Forest. And there was a shop that sold stuff for mages in Dalaran. And one of the things that they sold, which cost a ridiculous amount of gold at the time, pennies these days, thanks to the rampant inflation in the game economy. But one of the things that they sold was something that changed the icon for Arcane Brilliance. <laughs> you bought this thing and used it, your Arcane Brilliance would get a different icon. Years yeah, after they know. took the piss out of mages in the patch notes, they finally delivered on it. <laughs> As another kick in the teeth for mages. That's some next level trolling right there. Isn't it? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with warships. True. Sorry. It's okay. I was actually, I've actually, I've, I've been sort of semi-aware of Final Fantasy XIV for a while. I've got a, a, a good friend who actually made back in my World of Tanks days who is dead into it. So I finally bit mm -hmm. the bullet and downloaded it. So we'll see what that's like. I, uh, I have been really, really enjoying it. There are so many things that it is so much better than World of Warcraft until I reached level 20. And then I got very sad. Because when you reach level 20, um, the main storyline quest. See, Final World of Warcraft is all about dungeon and raid experience. Um, Final Fantasy is all about the story. You know, you, you pick what you like, and, and if you like story, you play Final Fantasy fourteen. If you like endgame raiding and dungeoneering, you play World of Warcraft. If you like being able to do whatever you like at a very, very slow pace and really get into the crafting, you play Elder Scrolls Online. Here's the problem with Final Fantasy XIV. I despise being told how I should be playing the game. Um, I'm very much a casual player. I like to just do quests, go on adventures, and blah, blah, and so on and so on. I cannot begin to express how much I hate being forced into doing group content with other players because hell is other people. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
World of Warcraft, I haven't done a dungeon or a raid in about three years until this latest Shadowlands expansion, when in order to, you are forced to do a certain dungeon in certain different, and that really, if you want to progress, you have to do it. So that pissed me off. Get into Final Fantasy XIV, once you hit level 20, you get this main storyline quest that you have to find a group for a dungeon for. Now, the dungeon itself is it's easy, but I just, what, what? Other games, if they force you into dungeon content, they, they will often do versions of the dungeon that can be done solo for people who like to play solo, or even in groups of two, just one friend that you play with. Can't do that in Final Fantasy XIV, so I'll, I'll, okay, fine, it's just this once. Came out of the dungeon, handed the quest in, gave me another quest, straight to another dungeon. Are you serious here? You know what? No. So I'm playing with Rita, and I said, screw this, I'm going to go and get a drink and have a smoke. So Rita said, well, I'll see. I'll see how many more, you know, what, what's after this? Three more dungeons. <laughs> Before I said, that's enough, I'm going to bed. And I haven't logged back in since. I absolutely cannot stand being told how I should play a game. Um, and unfortunately, I was really enjoying Final Fantasy XIV up until that point. Because oh, it just brought back all of my worst memories of grinding through dungeons in World of Warcraft. Such a shame. But once again, we're not talking about World of Warships. I blame Aiden for bringing up Path of Exile. Absolutely fine. Then I probably shouldn't mention it after watching Chingle's video I downloaded Final Fantasy. Well, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, can, I can only talk about what I've experienced um, up to level 20. Yeah, it's, it was I'm, really I'm already way past level 20. Oh, okay, fine. Well, I mean, World of Warships, we once upon a time talked about premiums. I guess I could mention yeah. a premium like the, the the Atlanta is still a ship I enjoy. It might not be the best ship, but it's so... And I mean, like the Camel. Like, there is just something that makes you smile if you have, like, a, a, a beach on your ship. Yes, yes. I, I I was a big fan. I mean, I... I, I think that Camo is awesome. Um, because it just... That's, that's what the ship's all about. And I love that they've acknowledged that. At the same time, I probably would never use it because I like my ships to look like actual warships. That's just me. Obviously, people's tastes vary. I, I, I have all of these space cabos for various ships that I have never used and never will because I'm not playing Masters of Orion here. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least these days um, you can kind of turn those off and just make it look yes, like default camos. Exactly. Yeah, there is an option. I don't want to say I don't want to see the arpeggio blue steel camos. Fine, if you want to play those ships, I've got all of those ships. I play them, but I turn the camos off because I play World of Warships here. Not playing Path of Exile or whatever. I'm not playing Arpeggio at Blue Steel. Uh, but that's just my taste. Uh, but the Atlanta, oh, how the mighty have fallen. I used to love that ship and I just can't. I mean, it, the, the Atlanta used to be a mobile tier 7 no fly zone. <laughs> I mean, what, tell me what carrier gives a shit about the Atlanta now. All of its AA is long range. It's, it's all those five-inch gun batteries. It's got a couple of 40 mils, but they're kind of ineffectual. And once aircraft are inside that long range, and they can, and it's all flak, so you can dodge flak, and it doesn't even have that. You, it, it's, it has it, it, it's the number of flak bursts. You'd think a ship with 16 five-inch guns would generate a lot of flak bursts. You'd think that, and you'd be wrong. Um, <laughs> the Atlanta's AA is pitiful. It's a shadow of what it should be. 
and then of course there were the changes to the various different you know the, the various different skills where you could get the um uh the book the the buff to the range of the guns providing yeah. they were less than 139 millimeters or below but now that's a destroyer only skill so god yeah, but Atlant Atlanta is the one ship that kept its range. Like all the others have been nerfed, but Atlanta has their maximum range was that was possible with all yes. the skills is now a base range. Uh, oh, yeah, it's still like, yeah. I mean, it's still it's still bad. But let's say that you could buff the range to fifteen kilometers. You wouldn't hit anything at fifteen yeah. kilometers yeah. with the Atlanta yeah. shells anyway. The battle would be over before the first shell had landed. The other, I think the other one that particularly, like the fact you can't buff AA range anymore, like poor old Texas, oh, one yeah. one gimmick is kind of gone essentially. So, cats, fight. Uh, if I if I have to choose one, it will probably be my trusty turpits. Very old school, I know, but yeah, it's like it's like a comfortable pair of shoes at this point. I'm quite well, I do like the Benham quite a lot as well. Oh, Benham's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Torpedo soup. Just trying not to get it into a gunfight. I mean, it's not yes. terrible in a gunfight, but it's not good. I mean, even the Chevy cars, you could probably outgun it. Also, Chevy cars, he hits really hard. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. People will say, oh, you always say that the guns on the Japanese torpedo destroyers are terrible. They're not. Yeah, they are. Just that the ammunition's good. That's the difference. I mean, the, the reload is basically like what... The reload is what kills those guns, right? All other yeah, characteristics are these. Uh, well, the twice. reload and the turret traverse, because if somebody pops up on the side where your guns aren't pointing, you've got about 12 seconds before you can even enjoy that eight-second reload. Although I do run Church of Us now on Yoshima because I have a second one-point skill to spend. The one-pointers are basically yeah. trash anyway. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad choice as long as you know you don't need it for something else. If you got one point spare, then yeah, the Church of Us skill is actually not that bad on the Shimakazum. Shimakazum oh. is my favorite ship. Uh, Jedi, you, do you have a favorite of all ships? Yeah. Any one ship that you would... It's like, okay, I've been playing for hours and hours. I'm going to play my to end. I honestly don't know if I would... Like, these days I just jump around. I don't tend to play one ship over and over unless it's a test ship. So I, I honestly don't know if I could answer that. I could probably come up with a short list of favourite ships, but a single favourite ship? I'd probably say the Warspite. Just because of what it is. And it's yeah. also very good. It's held up Does, pretty well. It has. It, it's despite the... I mean, because there are other ships that you could... I mean, the Kavarosk has been power creeps to oblivion. Mm. But the Warspite is just as good now as when it first saw the light of day four years ago. But then again, you know, I mean, the game isn't really balanced around Tier 6, is it? I mean, You're not going to see an awful lot of power creep at Tier 6. Yeah, but what, what you mostly see is, like, terrible matchmaking. That used to be better, but these days, tier 6, like, you, you just up tier a lot. Hmm. But, but then, oh, on tier 6. Yeah, because you'll never see a tier 4 at tier 6, will you? So the matchmaking tends to work the other way. Because tier 4s only get to fight tier 5s. Yeah. So that, because they did that protected matchmaking for the lower levels. Hmm. Yeah, so, so you're one yeah, tier that, down, that two tiers up. Yeah, so that did have a, a quite a... 
harsh effect on the tier sixes of the world, which is a shame. But that's the price you pay for protecting the tier one players so that they have a nice experience and graduate onto tier two players that you can charge money for. Well, I mean, then they put like tier four carriers in, like, and you know, oh, just, and... To, just to spread the misery around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll have carriers at a tier where nobody has any anti-aircraft guns. And even if they did, it wouldn't matter because they're carriers. They I seriously mean, need to limit the number of aircraft. Go back. Get rid of the magical fairy dust-powered aircraft-producing factories underneath the flight decks. And I, honestly, I think that one change would... They might have to buff carriers slightly in other areas to compensate. Slightly. But I honestly believe that would fix most of the problems overnight. If they couldn't just throw aircraft at you, if they and if they if there was some kind of penalty... If that actually cost them something, I think that would – you may – I mean, I'm not expecting you to – oh, yes, absolutely. You haven't, I've just thrown this in your lap, so you haven't had a chance to think about it. Uh, but maybe the audience could think about it and let us know what they think. But I do believe that would solve a lot of problems with aircraft carriers. Give them a cost for what they do. I mean, Everybody cost... else has a cost for what they do. It's yeah. called the hit point bar. Carriers don't have to worry about that until they're the last one standing. I mean, personally, I would have, I would just fix anti-air. I feel it like it's still an insult. And like there used to be no fly zones, basically, right? When, when you mm. were stupid enough to fly into free roosters, then all of your planes were gone, right? And this just, it, Wargaming seems to operate under the assumption that no amount of anti-air should be able to prevent the first strike, right? You can have free roosters mm. lined up next to each other. They all have defensive fire. They all, uh, uh, of the direction the plane's coming in, and they will get one strike off before the planes are dead, right? Yes. He will lose all of his planes, but that one strike has to go through. And I don't understand why, because every class sort of has counters, and you just have to play around them, right? It's not like if you I destroy and you set into a radar, it's not like, oh, well, you have to survive the radar, because, you know, destroyers yeah. need to be allowed to set into radar. No, no, you, you're going to be dead, right? But the carrier doesn't have to learn which ships have good anti-air or not. All anti-air has to be so cramped. No matter what target the carrier strikes, it has to be allowed to get a strike off. And the only way that the carrier is punished if he really, like, I mean, it depends on the carrier. Some carriers will never really run out of planes, but some, if they really strike in high anti-air zones the entire game, yeah, then at at some point they will be low on planes. But it's like, I don't know, it's, why aren't we allowed to have anti-air that can actually protect ships? Yeah. Well, Well, the whole whole concept was it, it's, are supposed to run down more over time than previously, but that was kind of the thing previously as well. So yeah, I don't know. No, it's, it's, it all boils down to the if you're going to do something, there has to be the cost versus reward has to factor into it, right? If I'm going to get closer than twelve kilometers to that Stalingrad in my Shimakaze. I'm taking a risk here, and there may be a big payoff because I might be able to torpedo all three of them. But the risk—I mean, that's 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 the reward. But the risk is the Stalingrad's going to. Oh, I'm being spotted. I can't see anything. He's going to fire off his radar, and then I'm going to get nuked. The price I will pay is three quarters of my health or more. That's the risk versus the reward. There is no risk versus reward for carriers. It's all reward to greater or lesser degree, but there's no risk. Everybody else risks their health bar. Carriers don't risk anything until they're the last one standing. And even then, they're not risking a lot. 
because everybody just shatters on them. It's impossible to set them on fire or flood them. So, yeah, there needs to be a, a something that the carrier has to risk in order to get those attacks off. And the only thing that can be is his aircraft. And, yeah, by all means, put an aircraft, put a carrier in like the cargo that has a huge air wing, so it's difficult to run them out of aircraft. Um, and that can be the cargo's gimmick while simultaneously making the aircraft not as strong to compensate. That's fine, but there needs to be a risk. Otherwise, what's the point? I just There's no counter to it. And the aircraft fire, which is supposed to be the counter to aircraft, clearly isn't, because they're working on the idea that, as you said, the first strike must always get through. And I get that, because there's nothing more frustrating than, I mean, you could argue that for Gneisenauer captains who have notoriously terrible accuracy and only six guns um, are often in the situation of laying all their cards on the table and nothing happening. Um, but I get that they don't want that to consistently happen to carrier players. The first strike maybe should always get through, but you should have to pay for it. it should cost you all of your aircraft. And there's no magical fairy dust powered factory underneath your flight deck generating more. You, you know, you, you take your risk, mm. you, you pay your money, you take your chance. And it would encourage smarter carrier gameplay, perhaps more useful carrier gameplay rather than just farming damage all the time, uh, waiting for the opening. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, if the carrier becomes more dangerous at the end of the game because most of your anti-aircraft guns are gone um, and your ships are spread further apart, it's fine. You know, it's the way light tanks with autoloaders work in World of Tanks, exponentially more dangerous the longer they can survive and there are targets around that they can, you know, take in one reload of their magazine. It, not many of them will be good enough to survive that late into the game. So, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with this with carriers whatsoever. I honestly feel they should limit, go back to the old RTS system without having the RTS style of gameplay, but go back to the RTS style system of having a limited number of aircraft in their air wing. And if you go through them, mm -hmm. tough shit. Learn to play. Get good. Yeah, well, you can tell how much sympathy I have for aircraft carriers. <laughs> no. Oh, but but destroyers don't run out of torpedoes and cruisers don't run out of guns. Yeah, and carriers don't run out of health. Destroyers and cruisers do when they use their torpedoes and their guns. They have to risk their health bar in order to get their successful attacks off. Carriers don't. So make it so that carriers do. Problem solved. Yeah, I don't know if you can see her. No, you can't see her. <laughs> Little kitty. Well, not so little. <laughs> not at all. Kitty, big kitty. It's my own tier eight Japanese destroyer. Oh, I mean, uh, looking at your size, your concealment has also increased in, in the last uh, year or so. Well, the Akazuki was never the sneakiest destroyer around. But she does have a mean broadside. I think she wants feeding. When she sits over there, she wants treats. She'll be meowing at me. And I probably just didn't hear it because I've got these headphones on. I mean, that seems to be like a constant state of cats that they want food. Sam's Actually, not too bad, bad, but I, I don't know if he's ever had to live with other cats, so he's maybe a little more relaxed. No, no, it's not that she wants food. She wants treats. Big ah, difference. Yeah. Okay. But she, has, she has a different way of letting me know that she wants food. No, she, she's... I haven't, haven't given her treats all day. I mean, I took her out and sat in the garden with her for an hour, but apart from that, I haven't fed her any. Is that right, baby? Yes, that is right, apparently. 
So yes, I do need to get us something. So where are we at? Well, we were talking about premiums, but we can like, I mean, we also have been talking a little bit about uh, regular ship lines, I suppose. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, old ship lines in the game now these days, and I feel like recently, like, Wargaming has started to make some small adjustments to older ships, right? But I, they, they seem weird, because I feel like there are a lot of old lines in the game that could use some love and could use some touching up, but what they, they've done, like, with recent changes, basically, I think they have, like, a big dartboard, and they just threw a dart on a ship, and then they flipped the coin if it's a buff or a nerf, and then they implemented those changes, right? And then they were like, okay, uh, Mars uh, needs a nerf. Uh, uh, what what was it like? Leander needs a nerf, um, Shores gets a buff. Uh, it was weird, right? Yeah, because the forums were awash with people complaining about the Leander, weren't they? Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, strongest ship in the game. It, it's like, on the one hand, I like that they look at older ships again. And I mean, there are, like, what has been recently pointed out, that the Japanese line, the Sal, which obviously has incredible armor. Uh, so, it, like, there are lines that definitely could use some love and some touching up. And Wargaming has apparently looked again at older ships, but the changes they made were just completely weird. I don't understand, like, I, I don't understand. I'm afraid I, I can't comment on any of that because I'm not. A, I haven't been paying attention to any uh, to any changes for. Is this on the dev vlog? I can take a look at it. I, think, I mean, that was a while ago. Uh, well, a while ago, like oh, there was a changes def- applied to German destroyers, Fenyang, and other ships. Yeah, that was probably the, the most recent set of. Yes, yeah, so that's one where we. I think we actually yeah. talked about this in a previous. We weren't. Yeah, I mean, we talk- it's good that they are re 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 reviewing re. Visiting? Revisiting yeah. is the word I was looking for. It's good that they're not just, you know, leaving ships to be power creeped into oblivion. But, yeah, Beander and Fiji, main battery reload time increased 0.3 seconds. Um, okay, Fiji, maybe I kind of see that, because the Fiji's pretty strong. Oh, yeah. Beander, they've <laughs> got six guns. Yeah. I mean, why? Who was complaining that they were getting owned by Leanders? I like yeah. the, the, the Lebrecht Mars. For example, what I don't see anything here is like, for example, the, the Japanese, one of the oldest lines in there, and that has, is, like, you don't really see many Japanese cruisers yeah. anymore. Certainly uh, in that set of balance changes, not a single change to any of the Japanese yeah. ships. I guess they, I guess the Zhao is fine after all. <laughs> definitely. I mean, you know, it has those strong torpedoes and great armor. Yeah. Let's just not talk about the torpedo fire angle. It's definitely uh, like, it's not even that old of a line, but like the, the the British heavy cruisers, I wouldn't be surprised if they were due a buff or two. I mean, there's certainly individual ships on probably quite a lot of the lines you could you could take out, but yeah, British heavy cruisers. Their AP is way too useful. We should probably nerf it. Yeah, <laughs> I've just realised. I think the kind of destroyers, some of them definitely feel left behind. I've, I've just realized, by the way, that from a certain angle, because most of my beard is white, but there are occasional streaks mm-hmm. of gray still in it where there is some color. But from certain angles, if you're looking at me, just out of the corner of your eye. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed. <laughs> 
Wait until the internet yeah. gets a hold of that one. <laughs> they would never Sorry, turn we this into... About... <laughs> yeah, talking about balance changes, but yeah. Yeah, that seems kind of... I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's good that they are still revisiting older ships. But on the other hand, what? Why? Let's have a look. 10.5 balance changes. Very little. Increase the firing range of the fleet to 12.4 kilometers. Changes to Hyuga and Christopher Colombo. So, yeah, not exactly revisiting old ships. Well, except for the yeah. fleet, I guess. Um, yeah. it's, it's something that I've started basically somewhat recently where it looks like they are looking at older ships again and doing something. But what confuses me is what, what they are doing because there is, and I mean, it's not like Wargaming gives you a lot of explanation, but well, any explanation for any of that stuff. But you just no. shake your head because about like half of them at least make no sense or go like in the different direction than you'd think they're doing. And they are not really ships that are overperforming or that afraid of or anything, yeah. right? And I mean, a lot of ships, our latest one, I'm looking at the list of ships. And okay, there are some changes to some of the newer ships, like, uh, uh, like the Angela Merkel mm-hmm. and the Felix Schultz. Um, but the Leberecht Mars, what? Fen Yang, Queen Elizabeth, Monarch, Leander? I think Fen Yang, really? but I'm definitely not complaining about that. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a, for any case of anybody who doesn't have the development blog up, it's a, it's a reload buff, which is nice. And there's a buff on the turret rotation for the Queen Elizabeth, which it's a very, very substantial buff. It's like nearly 20 yeah. seconds faster. That's great. It's fantastic. Um, Monarch needs all the help it can get, so giving it an extra 500 meter firing range. Nobody's going to say no to that. But decreasing the, the, the reload or in- increasing the reload on the Leander? What? Yeah. Really? Was the Jervis so doing so well that it needed its stealth nerfed. Yeah, I mean, was the Baltimore such a threat? Was... was the Baltimore such a threat to destroyers that it needed its radar decreased by three seconds? That was the Shawls doing so badly that it needed to get 500 meter? I mean, I'm sure. Uh, then again, yeah. I mean, the Shawls kind of needs to be kiting at extreme range in order to live. So fair enough, an extra 500 meters on its range. But I mean, some of those changes are like, who asked for this? I mean, they, I think you're right. When they say when yeah. they say we, we're doing balance changes, they say what the changes are. They never say why. Did so actually this is specifically the ask about this in the CC uh, Discord, and I think the answer was along the lines of it, it, it would just be too much effort to to detail the reasoning behind every yeah. small change. No, that's, that's fine. They, they must have a reason. I'm just yeah, struggling yeah. to envisage a reality in which the Leander needed a nerf. You see, when, when I look at it, I feel like about 50% of the changes go in the right direction, 50% like more in the wrong direction. That's why I feel like they flipped the coin. And how they chose the ships, probably like a dartboard. It, it's, I feel like it's, it's the most logical G- conclusion that fits yeah. the facts. They're just putting in all the names of the ships in a hat, saying, right, which ones yeah. are we going to do something with? We'll figure out what later, but we need to make it look as if we're constantly reviewing exactly. everything. So just grab a handful of names. I'll do, right, fine, whatever. Yeah, that's the best. Then, <laughs> it's then, the most and likely then they flip a coin in which direction, right? Then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn it. Uh, looks like we're uh, nerfing Leander. Well, 
Uh, but maybe they just wrote the end and feature on the same piece of paper. That's why you're getting the same yeah. nerve. <laughs> well, the and the Fiji, they both have HNS. It's easy to get them mixed up. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, really, really bizarre. I mean, some of those changes you can see. Okay, fair enough. I mean, the 72 second, 180 degree turret rotation for the Queen Elizabeth is diabolical. Yeah. I think that's what the War Spites originally was, and that got buffed oh, like yeah. three years ago. Mm. So that's like, a, how did you forget to do that to the Queen Elizabeth II? So, you know, well done for remembering and eventually doing it. Fine. But some of those other changes, huh? Okay. I mean, no, most I mean, of them are buffs. I'm not going to complain. I, I feel like the cynic in me is like the Queen Elizabeth was just... It's supposed to be a worse war spite, so people buy the war spite, right? Well, it so, is a worse war spite. Yeah, but now they, they don't... AA. It used yes. to be one of yeah, the best okay. AA ships at <laughs> That's right. And, but now AA is irrelevant, so it has no advantage. I think it's got... That was it. The, the, the Queen Elizabeth had better AA, the war spite had better secondaries, and better Sigma, but not by much. And that was it. But now, now it's got nothing. It's got worse Sigma, and Apparently also worse turret rotation and AA is irrelevant, so they had to do something. So they finally gave it the buff that the war spite had three years ago. Or maybe they've just figured that they don't sell war spites anymore a lot, so they're like, okay, we can now give the Queen Elizabeth this thing, right? I shall have to get on my podium and do something about that. Buy more war spites. Just don't play them. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one oh. war spite captain around here. Oh, you can play your war spite if you make me the captain. Otherwise, no. I'm still, I still think that's amazing, by the way. <laughs> the fact that I'm in the game. And I get everything oh. wrong in the game oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh. Anyway, enough about me. <laughs> Yeah, so, so Jedi mentioned earlier, like, the, the pan-Asian destroyers, also something you don't really see a lot in the game, and something that I feel like they've just, I don't know, ignored for a while. They they had, like, the... Like, they know, what was it, the tier 10, like, a, a few years ago? Then everybody yeah. was like, now the, the tier 10 is shit, and one was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. the Chengmu had a nerf in the not-too-distant past as well. Yes, but for a long time, there was no point at all in going to the Yu Yang from the Chengmu because it had better torpedoes, better stealth, better mm. guns, better speed. <laughs> the only thing it didn't have was the radar. Um, and it was the, the, Chung, the Tier 9. It's one of those few examples, because normally what they try to do is they make at least the Tier 9, usually the tier seven as well, really shit, so that you're encouraged to burn through free XP in order to grind through them. But the Chengmu was the exception. Um, it was really, really good. And then they nerfed the Yu Yang and gave people even less reason to go to the tier 10. And then, yeah, you're right, a couple of years passed, and they thought, we should probably do something about the Chengmu. Nobody seems to be playing Yu Yangs anymore, so they made the Chengmu... I can't remember what it was. I think they made the guns reload slightly slower. It wasn't enough to make it a bad ship. It was, again, it was just one of those bizarre nerfs. I mean, because you never see Chung moves. 
I was going to say, yeah. oh, no, I saw some pan Asians. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't. It was the Asashio. It was Asashios trying to torpedo destroyers with deep water torpedoes, not Chung Mu's or Yu Yang's in the, in the battles that I saw. Uh, yeah. No. I saw deep water torpedoes and just assumed, oh, yeah, pan Asian. I did. No, no, they were Asashios. No, you're right. You never see pan Asian destroyers anymore, which is a shame because yeah. some of them ain't bad. I mean, I think they, they nerfed them back in the day with the, the reason because they had radar and that that was too strong or something, but they had no trouble adding more like radar destroyers to the better in the game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Look at all the US Navy radar destroyers now. I say all, there's what, two? Is it Kid? No, uh, I can't oh, remember. Kid is. What's the. The Black. The Black has radar. That's it, the Black, yeah. yeah. And now you've got the um, Erland. Uh, uh, Smurland Smurland. Yeah, I know there's a tier 9 that has it as well. Orcan, I think, has a radar. But yeah, it's not exactly unusual to see a destroyer with radar these days, but the Yu Yang still kind of festers in oblivion. Hmm. That would be basically challenging, like deliberately wanting to challenge yourself to, to take that thing out, essentially. Yeah. There are better I mean, choices it, on every level. Even the Z-52. That's another one. You know, the Z-52 hasn't gotten any worse. I mean, there was a time when the Z-52 mm -hmm. was the preferred destroyer in competitive. Kings of the Sea, it was always, you know, we've got this, 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 and two Z-52s. Because of the, um, what's the right word? I want to say synchronicity, it's the wrong word, but you'll know what I mean, between their hydro duration and the reload mm -hmm. of their torpedoes, which matched up very, very nicely. So you could charge smoke screens and kill anything in it without them knowing anything other than, oh, shit, I've been spotted. Um, the Z-52s used to rule roost, and they haven't really changed the Z-52. But nobody plays them. It's because everything else has gotten better, or new things have arrived. Um, that are better, or other things have happened that make that that negate some of the Z52's uh, strengths. Um, if there's a candidate for a review, you know, mm -hmm. Z52, Kabarosk, take a look at them. Although you could argue, I mean, yeah, look at the French destroyers. They do everything that Kabarosk does except better. You know, there's another ship that suffered from power crew. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the Z-52 mostly got phased out by the prevalence of radars, especially long-range radars, because the Z-52, mm. like, you your ship overall isn't that great, but the greatness comes from the hydro and smoke combination, and especially when there are caps, right? You can go into the cap and often hydro the entire cap, and that's very strong. But it's only strong if no radar shows up, because yes. you, you, you can't sit there and hydro the cap if you're running yes. from radar all the time. And, and now let's count all of the battle cruisers with radar that have been introduced <laughs> since. Plus the extra yeah. line of American cruisers with radar. Um, yeah. Yeah. Power creep. Um, it's a natural feature. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Um, and it is good that they are revisiting um, existing ships that have been around a while and tweaking them here and there. But they nerfed the Leander. <laughs> what? What about the Z fifty two? What about what about the Chaparros? You know, ships that need it. Well, yeah, okay, they gave the Queen Elizabeth the turret rotation buff, but they nerfed the Leander. <laughs> what? On what planet does that make? Oh, whatever. Anyway, maybe you can see where their priorities lie. 
all of those Leanders seal clubbing all those poor tier eights. Yeah. Anyway. So, so moving on swiftly. There was a question for you from Chatchingus. Uh, do you okay. still play operations on Sunday with TC3? And what are your favorite Occasion. ships? Probably in operations. Okay. Occasionally. Um, often on Sunday, I'm kind of busy. Um, and TC doesn't often, he doesn't do operations every week anymore either, which is a shame. And of course, the reason behind it, of course, is because nobody plays operations. Yeah. This is, this is why Wargaming removed a whole bunch of operations and then haven't put any of them back and aren't developing anymore and, uh, are removing the ability to complete missions in operations so that they can say nobody plays operations, <laughs> justifying why there are no new operations in the game and why they've removed a whole bunch of operations and not put them back. It's a, they've got this nice little circular argument going. They continue to refuse to support operations, and they actively make operations worse and so that they can say nobody plays them. Yeah, because of you, you fuckers. Can I say that? Is that okay? We're going to have to bleep that out? Sorry. Touchy it's subject. okay we will edit it out. Okay, yeah. We'll edit that out later, don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they've got this nice little circular argument going, um, which is bullshit, but, you know, wargaming, what are you going to do? So, yes, I do still okay. I played last week, actually. Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. But, you know, when, when the circumstances allow, I do enjoy because it it's nice just to – because when you're playing operations, I mean, you're not re- – you've got time to, to, to have a chat. You know, with everybody, because we, 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 we go in with a full division mm-hmm. of, of seven. So we're all on team speak. We're all talking to each other. And it's more, it's more about giving each other shit rather than actually, you know, trying, because we play the ball so many times. We've gotten down to a fine art now, especially Narai, um, where we try, <laughs> we set ourselves the challenge. I don't know those of you listening to this who have played Operation Narai, but there's a bunch of transport ships trying to exit and escape out of the southern end of the map. And uh, usually people fight over each other for the opportunity to get down there and farm damage on them because they're defenseless transports. You have to do is take care of a one destroyer escort, and then it's, it's party time. But it, it got so boring doing that that we decided we'll try to do it in the least likely ship possible. So I went down there in a Nelson, um, <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> I got them all. Um, and, and it, it got to the stage where we were trying to come up with the most ridiculous ship suited for hunting down a bunch of fast-moving transports um, and challenging ourselves to try to do it successfully just to make things interesting. But you can do stuff like that in operations. And it's a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Wargaming could refuse to support the game mode, um, making up bullshit and lies in order to justify why the game mode shouldn't be supported when, you know, they could just be honest and say, because we don't want to. Um Unfortunately, you know, that's that's just the way things go. But, yeah, I do occasionally. Um, if he's doing it on any given Sunday, and if um, I'm not otherwise engaged on any given Sunday, then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll join in. It's always a lot of fun. The stream seems to enjoy it, too. I, I now have a small cat. Well, not very small. Brushing my leg with her tail. She definitely wants something. What's up, little girl? Oh, she's on. Well, I mean, we've been going for a bit, so it might be a natural time to. Uh, oh yeah, we've we've uh, once again uh, been a bit longer than. The, well, I mean, we've given up on our original time frame anyway. But. Yeah. <laughs> I blame that Aiton. He started going on about Path of Exile. 
It's all his fault. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We, it, it went all downhill <laughs> from there. Oh, uh, I was to think about some food as well for myself. It's yeah, way I too mean, hot to cook. I'm probably going to order something. Ice cream. That's the solution. Ice cream for dinner. Oh, yeah. Have some Hagen Dars in the freezer. <laughs> and then a cold beer with it. Yes, unfortunately, I've already finished this one off, so I'm going to need a refill. Look, yeah, I'm, I'm thirsty, all right? I'm not proud of it. I've got some proper Budweiser in the fridge. <laughs> anyway, I guess that's yeah. it then. So uh, thanks for having me along. It was really, really fun. And uh, as always, take care, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time. Oh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for watching us. And you guys all know where to find Jingles anyway. So I hope you enjoyed it, and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.